welcome to our Friday Five Live podcast hosted by Meg Foster. Meg has spent 20 years in higher education focused on student success initiatives and working in areas such as orientation, faculty development, online learning, student leadership, and first-year initiatives. Welcome, everybody. Happy Friday. Um, I think this is just the most fitting way to wrap up September. I cannot believe October is here on Sunday. That is just shocking to me. Um, We are thrilled to have with us Bianca Ramirez, and I'm going to introduce her formally in just a second. But um, just as a couple housekeeping reminders, we love interaction in this space. So if you do have questions that you want to make sure we ask Bianca that I wasn't clever enough to do so already, um, just post those in the chat. Um, just select everyone so we can all see them. And Bianca, don't worry about the chat. I'll keep an eye on that um, as we we go through today. So this month is National Student Parent Month, which um, Bianca is going to kind of give us some more insight into that. I've provided some resources um, here for everybody and um, some kind of big data points that I found in doing my research. And, And I think the most pressing one in my mind is the fact that Um, You know, over 5.4 million students are parents um, who are studying in the United States. um, And, you know, nearly a quarter of all of our undergraduate students um, have dependent children. So I think um, these are really important considerations as we examine um, what it means to be an institution that is student ready, what it means to be an institution that's promoting student belonging, um, and what it means to be um, colleges and universities that Um, are really addressing the needs of all of our learners. Um, And I think for a long time, and that was the title um, today, I think that our student parents have been kind of a silent population. They have not been silent. We have silenced them um, at our institutions. And we have um, not as readily acknowledged that um, our our students are balancing these, you know, many um, demands on their time. So That's my way of queuing up um, what's really an interesting conversation with today's speaker. And um, Bianca Ramirez is, first of all, an amazingly compassionate and enthusiastic person. And I'm so excited for you all to to get to hear from her today. Um, She is a single parent of a child with autism. She is a licensed clinical social worker, and she is the founder of a nonprofit organization called Student Parents Empowered. Um, She has degrees from Our Lady of the Lake University, as well as a master's of social work from the University of Texas at San Antonio and an absolutely incredible story to tell. And Bianca, we're just so grateful for your your time today. I know it's a busy time of the year and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, So Bianca and I connected through this amazing platform called LinkedIn, um, which (laughs) uh, can be a really great place to um, connect and and find folks. And so um, I was so, became as as we've had conversations this year in our podcast Bianca it's become just increasingly apparent to me that um that we need to do more work um on educating ourselves about the needs of our students who are parents and so that was how I was able to find Bianca and I want to wanted to kick us off with a question and just you've got such an important and compelling um, story. And I would love to hear you share with us your story um, and really how how in through your own experience, you became such an advocate um, for your fellow students who are parents. Yes, definitely. 
Well, I was a student parent uh, for a very long time, actually. Um, I had my son um, while I was actually a senior in college. Um, I was getting my undergraduate degree at Our Lady of the Lake University. And during that time, I was having a very difficult time. Um, so I was actually homeless at that time. Um, the relationship with my boyfriend, unfortunately, did not work out. Um, and he was the father of my child. We were living together at one point. However, um, the relationship did not work out. So uh, we ended up parting ways and I had nowhere to go. So unfortunately, due to a history of trauma, I did not have family support to help me. And I really didn't have any close friends that could take me in during that time. So it was a very stressful time. Um, I was living at the dorms um, at Our Lady of the Lake University before I had my son. Um, but once I became pregnant and I had him, you know, they did not allow any type of family housing on campus. Um, so I had to leave. And the only place that would take me in was a shelter at San Antonio called uh, Strong Foundation. So what ended up happening was I actually had to finish my last year of school while I was at the shelter, while I was working part time, uh, while I was doing an internship and while I was raising my son. It was extremely stressful. Um, I looking back, I don't even know <laughs> how I did it, but I did it. Um, yeah. It was hard. The The people that helped me the most were the people at the shelter. Um, Strong Foundation really helped me out by connecting me to a program um, that they had specifically for the people at the shelter that provided free child care. Mm -hmm. um, that way I can finish school and that way I can continue my internship. And I think that was the most helpful thing that allowed me to be able to obtain my degree. Um, so while I was doing that, I had to um, go to classes during um, the day and also my internship, which was a full-time internship. Um, and then I had to uh, go to my evening class, take care of my son. I had to work on the weekends to my part-time job. I had to come home and do homework. And I just had a full schedule. But I kept telling myself, this is going to be worth it. Once you graduate, this is going to help you get some economic security and get you out of the cycle of poverty. Um, and that was my main goal. That was what was motivating me and driving me to finish my degree and succeed because I knew that my son needed me to do that in order for us to get out of the shelter and to be able to have some type of stability. Mm -hmm. So at that point, um, I did it. I, I went ahead and uh, completed all my hours, my internship, turned in my homework. And before I knew it, um, I finally was able to walk down the aisle and get my degree. I got a Bachelor of Social Work um, from Our Lady Lake University. I graduated in 2013. And um, once that happened, life started changing so mm -hmm. much for me. Um, as soon as I got my degree, I was uh, slowly able to get a job and move out of the shelter. Um, and since I had a degree, there was more uh, more economic opportunities for me. Um, so I was able to earn more money with my degree. Um, I moved out of the shelter, got my own apartment, 
And then slowly but surely, I started thinking to myself, you know, I think I can do more than this. I think mm. I, <laughs> I want to do more than this. Um, and I realized I need to get my master's degree because as much as my bachelor degree did open a lot of doors, there was still so much that I wanted to do. And um, even though a bachelor degree does help, um, being a single mom, I think there's just so much financial turbulence that comes with that and raising a child. Um, so during that time, I realized, okay, I need to get my master's degree and this will help me out more. So at that point, I ended up applying to the University of Texas at San Antonio for my master's degree in social work. And I was still struggling with childcare. Um, it was tough because as student parents, I think it's a lot harder for us because a lot of student parents like me, we have to work during the day and then we go to our classes whenever we have any leeway in between that time. Oh. Um, so for me, it was tough because that meant that I had to work during the day and then I'd have to go to my evening classes and it's hard to find any type of child care for the evening. And even then it's extremely expensive. So oh, I struggled okay. with that. Um, there was times where I had to bring my son to class. Um, and that was difficult because, um, you know, I'm coming into class and then I have my son and, um, you know, some professors don't mind, but some professors do. So making sure that you talk to your professor about it and making sure that they're okay with it is really important. Um, they didn't, they had an on-campus childcare on the main campus that was open during the day, but on my campus, um, for the graduate students downtown, we didn't have a child care campus. So that caused a lot of issues for not just me, but any student parent that was going to school at the downtown campus. Um, so at that point, I started looking around my campus and I started realizing there's a lot of student parents out here just like me. And I started noticing that I wasn't the only one having the same issue with childcare. So I would go to the library sometimes to do my homework. And when I went to the library, I'd see student parents and they'd have their child on their leg, um, you know, trying to do their homework on the computer while taking care of their baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we, we'd have um, student parents coming into class and I would see other student parents bring their kids too. So it made me recognize that I'm not the only one having this issue. And it made me realize that uh, there's more of us out there. And I decided, you know, I think we need to do something about this because um, clearly this is uh, an issue that maybe has not been spoken about enough and there's not quite enough awareness on this, but it's definitely a need. So at that point, that's when I started uh, my petition. So I started um, petitioning at my school um, for a child care campus at the downtown campus. So I started gathering as many signatures as I could. And I started getting students um, to help me. And before we knew it, there was so many people behind us. Um, my petition ended up going viral. So um, we got a lot of media attention. Everybody wanted to know what was going on with student parents at UTSA why there wasn't a childcare campus on our um, downtown campus and how it was affecting everybody. 
Um, so it garnered a lot of community support. And before I knew it, we ended up getting like 5,000 signatures on our petition. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the university still wasn't very receptive about the idea. Uh, so we decided, you know, maybe we should start our own child care initiative. Um, and that's what we did. We ended up um, speaking to the local church that was actually across the street from our university. And we ended up asking them if they could help us. So we did um, go to the local pastor and ask him if he could provide a place to where we could take care of our children while we're in class. Um, and that's when we started a daycare called the Little Roadrunners at UTSA, downtown campus across the street. Um, and it was the first program of anything like that downtown. So everyone was super excited. I think um, student parents everywhere were just really excited about the fact that they were going to be able to go to class and not have to worry about, you know, where are my kids going to be? Um, am I going to be able to afford daycare? Uh, we provided it at a very, very low cost. Um, a lot of the people that helped us were volunteers or um, teacher interns. And it was great. Uh, we had it open for one year. And when we had it open for one year, it was very successful. We helped a lot of student parents graduate. However, mm -hmm. it, it did get to a point where unfortunately we stopped receiving funding and we had to close it. And a lot of people were very disappointed. Um, a lot of people were very sad. And then um, I graduated with my master's and I decided, you know what, uh, people are still reaching out to me. People kept sending me messages, you know, is the Little Roadrunners program still open? I really need childcare, can you please help us? And I had to explain to them, you know, I'm so sorry, but it closed. And it, it really, really hurt me to hear that, you know, people were still struggling mm -hmm. and this was an ongoing issue. Um, so before I knew it, um, several years had passed and people were still reaching out to me, telling me that they were having this issue. And then I realized, you know, I really want to do something about this. I really want to make sure that people have a place to, kn to know where they can go to reach out for support, especially for student parents, because there's really not much out there for student parents. Um, and that's when I started my nonprofit organization, Student Parents Empowered. Um, a lot of it was with the support of student parents at UTSA that had helped me. And together we uh, were able to start this organization and be able to offer things like case management, counseling, um, scholarships that provide help with childcare and other issues that student parents need. And of course, policy advocacy where we advocate at the Capitol for laws and legislation that can help student parents succeed in post-secondary education. Oh, wow, wow. What an, I mean, just such an incredible, incredible story. And I mean, you're such a, a beacon of light, I feel like, um, to the, the, the community. And I'm making all kinds of notes. I'm, I'm curious about and this is not in our questions, but you know me, Bianca, I'm going to go off for a second. And I, I posted this in our chat too, because I'd be curious what, what was UTSA's um, policy regarding children on campus at that time? You mentioned, you know, some faculty were okay with it. Some faculty would ask you to please not do that. But just curious what, if you, if you know what the policy was um, with regards to children on campus. 
it as far as that goes it was always up to the professor uh which I'm thankful because none of my professors ever um told me that I couldn't have my son there but every professor is different so um I don't know the other experience of the student parents but thankfully it was always up to the professor that's really that's interesting um and I'm curious like what that might look like in other programs right like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So you've described student parents, and I, I think this is such a perfect word, as an invisible college population. And, you know, we know, we looked at those stats, right? We know that it's it's a very, um, um, it, it's such a large group that we can't ignore it. I mean, 30% of graduate students have um, children. Why do you feel like this is a group that's kind of got this invisibility cloak on, for lack of a better word? That is a good question. The reason that I think that is because when you think about college, a lot of the marketing, advertisement, and programs available to college students are really focused on traditional students, which means that, um, you know, it's people that just graduated from high school, uh, people who are single, people who do not have children, um, people who are staying on campus. Um, When you think about that, um, that is really who a lot of the programs are focused on, on those young students that um, are going to college and uh, are trying to graduate. But student parents are very non-traditional, you know, uh, we're opposite of what those traditional students are. Um, you know, a lot of us work uh, full-time jobs. We have families. Um, we're also trying to balance our family responsibilities with our school responsibilities. Um, and we struggle with childcare. And unfortunately, uh, student parents have a higher risk of dropping out of college because we're balancing so much and there's not a lot of support for us. Whereas non-traditional students, um, it's very different. Um, There's a lot of programs catered towards them. And um, since they don't have those family responsibilities of caring for a child, um, you know, they can get by a little bit easier. Yeah, you know, I've been teaching um, first year experience classes now in the community college setting for almost 18 years. I have never taught a class that there wasn't somebody who was a parent, at least one student. Often it's many more than that. And in my online sections, it's often half the class, um, which is understandable, right? They need that flexibility of scheduling. And um, I know in our state, I I can't think of any two-year institution, and I'd be curious, I'm sure I'm wrong, I hope I'm wrong, that has a, um, a childcare facility on campus. And you make a good point that UTSA, yes, it had one at its more at its more undergraduate campus location, but but it was during the day. I mean, mm-hmm. those are not necessarily the hours that um, our students would even need childcare, right? Um, your employees need childcare during the day, um, but not necessarily your um, our, our students. And I know I've seen some research. I'm curious about what your um, that there's been an impressive effort to connect Head Start programs with community colleges. This is a new initiative, Um, you know, so because what you were sharing about your experience with um, Little Roadrunners is these are great opportunities for students who are learning how to become teachers, right? To have that opportunity to do internship, do all those those requirements. And 
Um, so I'm just curious, have you seen any shifting trends when you're going to um, Austin to advocate for the needs of student parents? I, my, my guess is childcare is probably one of the top three things you're talking about. Um, so, you know, anything that you're like, here's, here's some examples of people who are doing it well, or here's some things we need to be considering. Um, curious about that. Definitely. So we do have a college um, here in San Antonio. It's called San Antonio Colleges, the Alamo Colleges. They really have a great program. So they do have a program uh, of child care available, and they're really trying to make sure that they meet the needs of student parents. Um, not all universities have that. There's only a handful of universities or colleges in Texas that do have child care available. Um, and even then, I think what's really tough about this is that when you look at the access to child care, there's limited access, but even when it is available, it's still very expensive. So mm -hmm. you have parents that, you know, they end up having to use their financial aid to pay for um, child oh. care. Um, so a lot of that goes to that just so they can go to school. People are using, you know, loans and financial aid to basically survive so that they can be able to attend school. Mm -hmm. um, I know that the University of Houston, when we were trying to get childcare for our campus, they did something amazing. So um, I believe that their university actually contracted with the YMCA and they were able to use the YMCA um, as a way to be able to get student parents as the care that they needed um, during when they're going to classes. So even though there's some universities that don't provide child care, I've been seeing efforts here in Texas to where um, student parents, um, I think people are starting to recognize that this population is here and uh, we're not going anywhere. So people are starting to see, okay, well, what else can we do? If we cannot offer child care on campus, what other avenues can we take so we can provide the services that this population needs? Um, but even then we still come, um, we still come up with barriers. And I think one of the biggest barriers for childcare is costs. Another barrier um, that I'm seeing besides childcare is that there is not adequate housing for student parents on college campuses or universities. Um, that was one of the reasons that I was homeless because I could no longer stay in my dorm when I was a student parent um, mm -hmm. after I had my son. So we're seeing um, other colleges with the same issue where they do not have family housing. Slowly, um, colleges around the campus, I think this is something that we're advocating for as an organization and other organizations for student parents are as well. We're advocating for that family housing because then uh, student parents really don't have anywhere to go and they're not being included in these uh, traditional programs that universities have for traditional students, um, which is why we kind of get the short end of the stick when it comes to the programs and services that are offered in colleges and universities. Um, so that's another thing that we're advocating for. Um, another uh, thing that I am also trying to advocate for is making sure that student parents have a liaison so that the way they're able to graduate and uh, not drop out. Because unfortunately, with student parents, as I told you, um, an estimated 52% of student parents drop out of college before ever earning their degree. Um, and that's really tough. So making sure that there is a liaison available to help that student parent throughout their college journey and making sure that they have adequate services so they don't drop out. 
Um, so those are different issues and needs that student parents have. And, and that's what, what I've been seeing and what we've been advocating for. That's so, so perhaps 52% of student parents dropping out. And it's reminded me of um, er, earlier this summer, I got to have a conversation with um, LT Miles. And I encourage you guys, um, if you didn't hear that podcast episode, go back and, and listen to it. And while we were more specifically focused, her research is a lot on first generation students. There's there's a lot of similarity of dis, like discussion of um, kind of concepts. And, and she's talking about like, how do we kind of put um, the safety net in place so students don't drop out. And um, and she just had some really, you know, fantastic suggestions. Uh, we've had somebody post in our chat um, that they're challenged to locate um, student parents on our four-year campus um, so that they can organize focus groups or get feedback from them about what kind of support they need um, from our, our university to be successful. Um, the university evidently is not tracking them. So great question about suggestions about how to start to locate student parents and communicate with them um, so we can get data to the leadership right, at our institution um, to move forward to better support and serve these students. What a fantastic question, because if it's a hard population to kind of get your hands on, then um, struggling to tell that story, right, in a way that then gets um, um, uh, that buy-in from our institutional leadership. And um, our, our, con our, our person who posted this says that they um, direct a women's center. So at that institution. So any suggestions for, for those um, ways that we can kind of get our hands on um, our student parent population? Absolutely. So one of the things that we did um, as a student parent organization when we were at UTSA mm -hmm. was we actually sent out a survey needs assessment to the entire population at our school, trying to find out just how many student parents we had. So I think that was able to help us locate to see how many students that were raising children and had dependents um, that were going to class either full-time or part-time. Um, with that needs assessment, we also asked them, um, you know, are you food insecure? Are you having any trouble getting food? Uh, are you having any trouble with housing? What are your needs? Is there anything that could help you succeed in class? Are you in need of childcare? Do you have any children with disabilities? All of these things, um, putting out a needs assessment and trying to get data, really good data on how many student parents there are and what their needs are, I think is really helpful for any program or university, just to make sure um, that you understand the student population's needs and to see how many student parents there are um, that you need to be serving. Mm -hmm. and, and Sarah's made a great point that we can check with institutional research or financial aid offices because they may be collecting data um, regarding students who claim dependence. Um, and another uh, person tapped on and said, going to reach out to Dean of Students, military veterans programs and TRIO. Um, I'm thinking of all the, I'm, I'm teaching a lot of veterans this semester, which is wonderful. Um, and all of them um, have been quick to share in our online class, beautiful pictures of their children. Um, so those are other great pockets where you might, you know, begin to, to touch, um, reach out to some of those, those student parents. And I think um, getting, um, um, oh, and, and Dana sharing that, one of the troubles is that it's de-individualized, so anonymous, um, and they were hoping to 
um, find, you know, be able to match I, my student, Bianca Ramirez is a student who has, um, as a parent as well. Um, Kristen's offering some suggestions for us, which is great. I'm gonna go to our next question, Bianca, and then circle back to Kristen's um, comment because, you know, I think about, and you all have done a beautiful job of this with our audience chatting in, What what is it that we can do as individuals at our institutions? I'm, I'm not thinking like, what can UTSA? That's what we're gonna get to that, but what can, Meg Foster, as a first-year experience instructor at a community college, do to support my students um, who are also parents? And I think that's an excellent question. Uh, the best thing that you can do is uh, recognize that there are student parents out there, and when you meet them, ask them, you know, what are your needs? What can I do to help? Um, connect them to programs, connect them to counseling, um, anything that they may need, because unfortunately, a lot of the student parent population, they come uh, with a lot of issues with trauma. A lot of student parents have a history of trauma. The research shows that there's a lot of more mental health issues as well as they're struggling with school and also being a parent. They're struggling with poverty. They're struggling with homelessness. Um, so there's a lot of issues that come with that. They need case management, a lot of resources. Uh, many of our student parents are single parents, about 70% are single mothers and their minorities. Um, so these, this is a population that is in great need of a lot of support, a lot of economic support, a lot of mental health. Um, so asking them what their needs are, connecting them to services, connecting them to that mental health at the university level, and really also accommodating them because there may be times to where, um, because of their children, you know, they, they may have trouble or struggling trying to be able to come to class or they might have to bring their child to class and just being a little bit open-minded and culturally competent about that, um, I think is very helpful for student parents. I love, I love all of those suggestions about things that we as individuals can do. Um, and Kristen's noted that on her campus, they've created an advisory group. Um, and, and through that, they put out a survey to ask about needs um, to help parents identify that, hey, I am a student parent, um, and that they've been able to develop programs um, out of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, and, they've, and she's shared priority registration, lactation room, list of local childcare options, syllabus guidance for faculty. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking of my own institution, you know, we have wonderful people who are so caring and supportive. And if we just kind of bundled it up, I thought I saw a great article the other day that sometimes institutions really are doing a whole lot for adult learners, but they've never identified it. Does that make sense? Like they they're doing all these things that can support adult learners, but they've never really packaged it all up, if that makes sense. And so if you kind of take a step back and say, okay, what is our institution doing to, oh, wow, look at all these resources we have. Um, but also, and this goes back to your conversation about Houston involving the YMCA and providing childcare, leaning into our communities, there is great opportunity, I feel like, in our local communities that we can connect with um, to, to provide these kind of wraparound services for our students. And I, I think sometimes at colleges and universities, we get a little guilty of feeling like we have to do it all ourselves, right? And 
And if we can kind of put that down for a second and say, well, wait a second, what if I what if I did have this relationship with our why or a church that's across the street that we can um, somehow connect together to provide safe childcare services? Um, I love that. Uh, we have one more comment I'm going to share. I'm trying to facilitate a student group for students with kids so they can build a community of support. Um, Kristen is sharing with us. I'm also hosting a kid kids of students celebration day um, in April and that Kristen herself, um, her mom went back to school when she was in the fourth or fifth grade. How, and, and this, and I, I didn't intend to, to skip this question, Bianca, but I love that idea that Kristen has put out there, kids of students celebration day, because I think about the ripple effect of what happens when we support student parents to complete a degree. And, and I just want to give you a second to kind of share some of that with us because it's so powerful. Absolutely. So first of all, I, I think it's wonderful that in all the comments, I'm hearing so much support for student parents, wherever you are, if you're a student parent or if you work at an institution and there's student parents there, I think it's wonderful that you're here and you're trying to learn more about serving this population. I think it's excellent to have a celebration day for student parents because a lot of times student parents, they don't feel welcome on campus. Right. Um, and I think that's a great way to show that student parents are welcome. Um, there's a lot of things that can be done that colleges can do to help make sure that student parents succeed, whether it's uh, launching a student parent inquiry survey, um, trying to make sure that there's more program funding available for student parents, um, making sure that there's options like online or hybrid courses available for them. But one of the best things that you can do is really show empathy and celebrate them. Um, when you're a student parent and you graduate, it really does change their life. It, it, it changes their life completely. It changed mine. I went from being homeless um, and pregnant, a single mom, to now having a master's degree, being a licensed clinical social worker, and having my own nonprofit organization. Um, and I think that when you help a student parent graduate, you're not just helping them. You're not just helping that individual, you're helping their family. And that will ripple to the next generation because the, the data shows that um, a lot of times when a student parent graduates, it actually reinforces that education piece for their child. Mm. They're able to go to school and get an education well. So it kind of has a ripple effect on the entire family. So mm -hmm. when you help a student parent, you're actually helping the entire family and generations beyond. Um, so I think that is an excellent question. Mm -hmm. oh, I just I, I think about how powerful it is when our kids get to spend time with us on campus. And I know that then they see that this is something I can do, too. I can I not only can I envision myself in this space, I have been in this space. Right. At college is not this abstract, foreign or scary place. It's someplace I'm comfortable with. Um, Jenny's asked a question for you, Bianca. I'm wondering if you can direct us to scholarship resources for student parents, especially single parents. Oh, that's a good question. And that is a wonderful question. So I'm not sure where everybody's from, um, but our organization for student parents, we offer two scholarships yearly, um, two $1,000 scholarships to help people um, that are going to school that are student parents in post-secondary education, whether it's university, college, 
or what if it's a certification program. There's also different organizations like Generation Hope that are also doing the same thing and they're helping student parents with those types of scholarship. I also know United Way offers scholarships as well for childcare. So there's different types of organizations out there. Um, Unfortunately, there's not enough, but we're, we're hopeful that, you know, there's going to be some new things in the future. But yes, definitely a lot of programs here in Texas that can help, as well as other organizations in other states. Mm-hmm. And, and Bianca, we'll make sure when we wrap all of this up that we share um, um, the uh, website for um, your um, nonprofit. And I'm going to put in the chat. So you've mentioned United Way, you've mentioned Generation Hope. I also want to call out PEO, which is a um, national, actually an international um, women's philanthropic organization that's all around um, educational attainment, and they offer um, scholarships and grants as well um, to parents. So um, Dana's mentioned they're applying for a CAMPIS grant for the first time from the Department of Ed. And so those may be other places that we can um, look to um, for resources um, as well. I hadn't hadn't thought of that quickly off the top of my head, but there may well be some grant money out there um, that we can use to support students. I want to be conscious of time. So if folks have questions, please put them in the chat. I've got kind of one more big picture question for you, Bianca, which is, okay, so we've talked about what we can do as individuals, right? We can be conscious of um, the student parents we're interacting with. We can make sure that we're well-versed about the resources that exist um, so we can provide those, be that welcome, welcoming face um, person. Um, I always tell my students I was not a cheerleader in school, but I have a pom-pom and I will wave it anytime they need cheer or not. That, that is one of my jobs. But what advice do you have as we're thinking about colleges or universities? So for some of us who've talked about gathering that research and going to those leadership teams, if you could create a dream list for a leadership team, that if they were going to reshape an institution to really support student parents, what would you want them to put on that list? I would want them to first and foremost uh, be able to provide child care because I think that is one of the biggest barriers for student parents, and, but not just making it accessible during the day but also during the evening when a lot of the times uh, that's when student parents go to class, Uh, not only making it accessible, but also making it affordable because unfortunately um, childcare costs as much as uh, public in-state college tuition. Um, So making it not only accessible, but also affordable. Um, I would also ask if they can create uh, more of a family-friendly syllabi in classrooms. Um, because, um, as I said, it's it's really up to the professor um, if a child um, comes into the classroom with a parent uh, while they're there because they don't have child care. So maybe um, having a more family-friendly uh, classroom policy and syllabi. Um, unfortunately, there was this one time when I was um, actually not a parent, um, when I was actually doing my undergrad at SAC, uh, San Antonio College, and I saw a single dad bring in uh, his daughter to class and the professor uh, said that there was no children allowed and that he had to leave. Um, so unfortunately I had to witness that and I'm sure that happens a lot in colleges and universities around the nation. So making sure that there's just more family friendly uh, classroom policies and also syllabi um, 
also establishing or increasing support services for student parents. So that childcare piece, that mental health piece. Um, one of the things about my organization that I'm very mindful of is even though there is counseling and mental health um, at universities, a lot of the time it's only during traditional hours, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And those are the times that parents work. So maybe having mental health services accessible in the evening or on the weekends when student parents actually have time to be able to attend uh, those programs is also something to be mindful of. Um, providing flexible courses. So again, that goes to making sure that we have classes available for student parents in the evenings and in the weekends, hybrid courses, online courses. So that way they can have access to it. Um, I can't tell you how many times um, when I was a student parent, I would sign up and there was only two evening classes. The rest were during the day and I'd have to sign up before those classes filled. And that put a lot of stress and pressure on me. Uh, so making sure that there's more uh, flexible course options for student parents. And uh, most importantly, understanding that student parents are a very vulnerable population. Again, um, most student parents are single mothers, 70% uh, Hispanic, African-American, Asian population minorities um, who are going through poverty, uh, especially as a single parent. They carry a history of traumas and they're struggling to try to change that. So having empathy towards that population, doing your research, and understanding where those vulnerabilities are and what their needs are. Um, and just really having that empathy and support. If a student parent goes up to you and tells you, you know, I can't come to class or um, because I don't have childcare or I'm not able to feed my family because we don't have any money, um, we're food insecure, um, making sure that you're able to just connect them to those resources and show them that support and make them feel that they're not alone because a lot of student parents feel that they are alone when they come to um, college and they feel that they don't have anywhere to turn. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Such important words. We want to make sure that they don't feel alone. And 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 you make such a, important statements. I mean, I think about all the students you said, what, 50% are going to drop out. I mean, More and, than and when we think about the ripple effect of that, isn't that our whole point as organizations of education, right? Is to support um, our communities, the support of our communities and, and the opportunities um, that exist there. So Bianca, thank you so much. We are about at time. You have shared so much information with us. Um, as always, I've taken over a page of notes um, because it's just such important information. And I feel like we just had such a rich chat with folks sharing, you know, concerns and efforts that they're making across um, our country uh, to support student parents, but also a wealth of ideas about how we might support parents, uh, better support our parents who are, who are our students on our campuses. And we're going to make sure we share um, all of that. So um, if you're listening in, fear not, um, all of those resources will be available to you. Bianca, I just want to say thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and for the gift of your time today. It just really um, means so much. Um, and, and I hope that we can continue to um, support you and your efforts because um, you're doing really incredibly work, incredibly supportive work out there, important work. Um, Melissa's posted um, our podcast episode that I referred to with um, LT Reese Miles, um, which I think um, dovetails beautifully 
um, with this conversation as we think about how do we support students um, to, to make sure they're not dropping out, that they're meeting these goals, that they feel that they understand that they belong um, and have a place, um, very much an important place um, on our college campuses. So um, with that, thank you. Um, everyone have a great weekend. Happy Friday. May there be time for rest and renewal um, this weekend. I think that's always really important um, that we, we recharge. Um, and uh, Bianca, thank you for the gift of your time today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Happy National Student Parent Month. Yes. Yay. What a perfect way to end it. Um, everyone take care. And I look forward to um, talking with you next month. Um, we've our, our next month's topic, we're looking at um, belonging and some of the scientific research behind that um, on our college campuses. So uh, we're going to continue this conversation, I think, Bianca, in some different ways. Friday Five Live is brought to you by Innovative Educators. Innovative Educators offers six online services for your onboarding support and training needs. Visit us at innovativeeducators.org to see how we can support your student success initiatives.